Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us, closing out the week with us. Grateful to have you with us as we continue through the book of Luke. Um, sorry about yesterday. So as we come to the text today, probably have to do a little bit of memory work if you were with us on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, we covered Jesus's version of the Lord's Prayer in the Gospel of Luke, a condensed version, a shortened version. And the reason I bring that up is not so much the prayer itself, though I do think that version of the prayer is very interesting. And if you haven't listened to it, we'd love for you to go back and pick that one up at some point. But I I bring it up because today we have really, it's written as a continuation. As we move into verse 5, it says, and he said to them, and that's written as if Jesus continues this conversation. Now, we don't always know if that's how the actual words happened in real time or whether this is what Luke is doing with them. But the the point of this is that this next passage is a continuation of what Jesus has already said about prayer. So let's go through it a little ways. And he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, Lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Don't bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he's a friend, at least of his because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So there's a similar story uh, in other Gospels about a woman who hounds a judge. There are parables about this idea of persistence. I, I don't know, Michael, this is, this is a little bit tricky because this isn't the most positive idea of prayer, the idea of you know, <laughs> beating down a friend till he does what you want him to do. But the point here. Really, if we could talk about this in two sections, the Lord's Prayer gives the disciples a sense of how to pray, of what prayer is, of of the mechanism of prayer, and now we get a word about the persistence of prayer, the, the way that we are to hang in there with prayer, even when the thing we've prayed for maybe doesn't immediately come to pass. And so uh, it, it is a strange example for Jesus to give, I'll grant you that, but I think the real idea here is to be people of, not just of prayer, but of persistent and consistent prayer, and not to let anyone or anything dissuade us in that. And there's a few more words on this as Jesus goes, but I think at least that's where we start, Michael, that there is an encouragement here to endure and stay the course in regard to our prayers. Yeah, because prayer is a, a practice of the faith that we are called to practice with perseverance and steadfastness. I, I do think that it's interesting here, Clint, that when Jesus wants to follow the Lord's Prayer, he does not do so with a instruction manual on tone or consistency, you know, how often should I pray? What should I sound like when I pray? In fact, I think a lot of our anxieties about prayer, I've heard over my time in the church, folks who don't feel comfortable praying in, in public, certainly, a lot of those anxieties are rooted in the the aesthetics of prayer, what it sounds like, or 
what we have to say while we're praying. Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer. We discussed that in our last episode. And now here today, I think it's just striking that what Jesus has to say about prayer is that it's going to require dedicated effort, that it's not a one-and-done kind of situation. One should not expect when we approach God that one prayer is going to solve the problem. It's not that kind of vending machine idea that if you put the coin in and you push the button, the thing will happen. Prayer is a, a practice throughout our lifetime. And I think in many ways we're learning in a parable like this, Clint, that prayer is by definition relational. Mm-hmm. That that idea of calling this person coming to the house looking for bread a friend, I think tips us off to this is how Jesus expects when we call God Father. We said that last time, how scandalous of a relational kind of statement that is. When we conceive of prayer as that persistence required to keep at the door knocking until that bread's going to be given, that that's the kind of spirit and intentionality that we need to enter into our lives of prayer. I do think that begins to help us, Clint, sort of understand the lesson of the first prayer, the Lord's Prayer. It helps us understand that this is truly a daily prayer. It's a, a constant return to that important thing. It's not a thing that we should be surprised when when it requires more and more effort as time goes on to keep our petitions going. Yeah, I. It could, I, you know. I want to be clear. Um, we've we've told you that we'll try to be honest about when we're leaving the text, and and I think perhaps I'm doing that to some extent here, Michael. I I want to balance this because if all you had was this text. You could believe that what we're taught about prayer is don't quit until you get what you want. I don't think that's the message, but I think it's half the message. I I do think the message of don't quit is in the text. I don't think the guarantee of until you get what you want is necessary necessarily biblical. Uh, in the overall picture, and I think if you re- if you tried to read that into this, you will inevitably end up disappointed. But I do think there is a sense here in which Jesus is saying, prayer takes work, prayer takes um, sticking with it, prayer takes perseverance, mm-hmm. and don't give up, don't quit, don't back down, be bold in prayer. Be con- consistent in prayer. Be constant in prayer. Now, again, that's a lot to build on one very strange kind of parable. But if we hear the overall picture, I, I think those are the kind of messages we get. And again, though Jesus gets there by way of an odd route, I, I think that's where we end up. Well, Clint, one temptation in reading a text like this might be that this is a how-to book on prayer. It's kind of like a this-is-how-you-get-from-God-what-you-want kind of story. And I don't actually think it is that. I think that this is a story whose intention is to teach us something about God. In other words, that when we come to God, we need to come to God as if he's already on our side, that God is wanting to do good things for us. That is going to be even more spelled out as we continue on in this passage. But I, I yeah. think it's worth noting that already here, the parable makes it clear that 
God is like a friend, that there's already a warmth and positive relationship in going and making the supplication, asking for the things that we need, that that is not a confrontational or a bargaining-type relationship. It's really one in which you you come with the relationship already there, you ask, and that has something to say about who God is, that, that God is for you, that when you come to pray, you don't need to bend God to your good. God loves you, and that good is already there. But right. don't be surprised that you still have to persevere in the prayer. You, you God is, in this parable, has the thing that you need, but you're expected to come back and ask and to be persistent in that desire, realizing that there's more to it than what we see. And Jesus is not here saying that that God is the friend. I, we have to be careful with these kind of parable-like passages that we understand there is a primary point, and here the primary point is don't give up. What this doesn't say is that even if God doesn't care about you, if you pester him long enough, he'll respond. This is not, you know, the kid in the grocery store who can't take no and his mom finally says yes because he's screaming yep. and, and bothering everybody. This is, even if the friend won't get up out of friendship, he will get up out of the man's persistence. And and that's important because it, it can't be separated from what comes next. Jesus starts verse 9 with, so I say to you, in other words, if even a friend will get up when another friend is persistent, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who searches, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, would give a snake instead? Or if the child asks for an egg, would you give a scorpion? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this is really the complementary part of the, the previous text. I say to you, ask, search, and knock. And this is remarkably invitational. This is a promise. In other words, if if we as humans can be can respond to persistence and we can give good gifts, then how much more the Heavenly Father would respond to us and be good to us? And this I think is subtle, Michael, but in, in saying this, you know, we, we had the the shape of prayer. Now we've had the call to be persistent, and now finally I think we get to the heart of prayer, which is trust. The the trust to include God in our life, to ask, to seek, to find, and then the promise that God is the giver of good gifts. Now, there's a caveat on that, and we'll have to circle back to it, but I think if we hear this... It is A, remarkably invitational, and B, it connects prayer with trust in a powerful and and meaningful way. I think that there's a really fascinating turn in this text, and I want to look at it together here. Look in verse 8. This is the end of verse 8. Because of his persistence, the one who's come to the door, the owner, the friend, will get up and give him 
whatever he needs. Now, the story is about bread, but I love this phrase, whatever he needs. Now, let's move on. The end of verse 13, where Jesus is really laying out this teaching. Look at what Jesus says. How much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Mm-hmm. So, the friend is going to make sure that they get whatever they need. It seems very striking and interesting, Clint, that then at the end of 13, we have that need being replaced with the idea of the Holy Spirit. So much of us think of prayer as God, I need an answer to this. I have this financial concern. I have this health concern. I have this relational breakage. I have this addiction. We have all of these things that we would bring to God as a supplication or as a request And what's striking to me is the core need might be, if we're going to actually boil it down, that we need the Spirit of God living in us, that when God answers prayer, God is present with us. That is the answered prayer, that God is in the middle of our life, carrying us in the moments when we can't carry ourselves, disciplining us in the moment where we err. This idea of the Spirit being the answer to the prayer, I think, is a very deep and powerful reimagining of those things that came before. Because if we imagine God to be transactional, that's not the kind of God that I see Jesus laying out and inviting us to consider at the end of this teaching. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, again, Michael, I I think that is the corrective. I think Jesus and and Luke here lay out a a kind of natural protection, a, a barrier here in the text, because, you know, Again, if you tried to take these verses and stand on them alone, what does it say? Ask and it will be given. That sounds great, right? Whatever I ask, God will give me. That We all know that's not what this text means. This text means that prayer builds relationship, that prayer connects us to the Heavenly Father and the Holy Spirit. And yes, one of the benefits of prayer is that sometimes God responds to our needs and our requests in ways that are exactly what we hoped. But in the moments that that isn't true, God still meets us in prayer and gives us the grace and the strength to handle not getting what we hoped for or asked for. And and I think this gives the, the presentation of prayer here so much more depth than the idea is than the idea which has sometimes been given in the church, which is if you pray correctly and long enough and loud enough, sooner or later you're guaranteed what you want. That's simply untrue. That's not how life works. That's not how prayer works. It, it is not a magic ticket. It is an invitation to a relationship with a God who loves us who knows what we need, and who gives good gifts, though not always the ones that we hoped they would be. Clint, the interesting nature of this teaching, I think, as we see it in verse 9, is the verbs, right? Or are the verbs, rather. Ask, search, knock. These are powerful phrases. I think they have a way to teach us that prayer is bigger than folded hands on knees in the morning closet. That is a way of prayer, but we far too often look at prayer for technique or we look at prayer for form. And I think 
to your point, and, and really this is me extrapolating out beyond what you've said, and I think in some ways even beyond this text, that ultimately prayer leads us to this place where we use language like, in verse 11, the child who asks for a fish, or in 12, the child who asks for an egg. We are God's children, and when we come in prayer, that is a relational moment. And if you have had kids, you understand that sometimes when your child comes to you with a need, the answer to that need is simple. It can easily be delivered, but there's something deep and meaningful in the opportunity to share in the solution together, to share time together, to allow your child to express their concerns. And and this is therefore a, a relational encounter. It's a relational encounter with God. And this is a critique, and I want to just pause and mention this. There are some people who've been praying for healing or praying for deliverance for a very long time who have persevered in their request. And if you read this text wrongly, and it's easy to do, and I, obviously mm-hmm. I'm making an assertion calling it wrongly, Clint, but if if you read this text in the way that you think it means that perseverance will ultimately end in you getting the thing that your words are asking for, then you've misunderstood, I think, the point of this text. Because at the end of the day, this isn't a formula to get God to do the things that we want. It's a way of understanding that in the right relationship with God, God will always ensure that we have what we need. And the tough part of faith is that sometimes the road that goes through our need is also the road that goes through suffering and difficulty. And that should actually be an opportunity for prayer, an opportunity to draw closer to God, to request help in the midst of those seasons. But we shouldn't be shocked in the moment in which that prayer is not immediately answered, in which we don't get the thing that we were asking for with our words, but instead God has graced us with the strength or the realities of what we need for the rest of life. I, th- that is a interesting and important, I think, distinction in how we interpret this text. And I think if we read it wrongly, Clint, we're going to be disappointed with God about things that I'm not certain Luke is trying to show us from Jesus's teaching. Yeah, I think not only that, Michael, but we'll misunderstand prayer, not just the text. We'll misunderstand the nature and the purpose of prayer, which is not fundamentally about getting what we want or even what we need. It it is about interacting with and growing in the grace of Christ. Um, And so here at the end, you know, Jesus says, if if you people who are broken and struggle and have all, you know, sin and these issues, if you know how to give good gifts, how much more can God be trusted? And, and I think that really is the, the question that Luke leaves us in regard to prayer. Um, give us this day our daily bread, your kingdom come, forgive our sins as we forgive our, those who sin against us. And because of that, be persistent and trust the one who you're praying to. Um, again, if not always for what you want, for showing up and being a part of a relationship. And um, I, I think properly understood, there's a tremendous depth here to Luke's description of prayer. 
We are certainly glad that you've taken time to spend this time with us today as we've explored prayer. Hope it's been meaningful and that if you do have questions or comments that you would be bold enough to put them in the comments and let us continue the conversation as time goes on. But that said, friends, that ends our time today. We look forward to being with you again next Monday as we continue on in Luke chapter 11, verse 14. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.